You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 316 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have another grand conversation with New York City playwright, the recipient of the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, Martina Mayok. We talk with Martina about the measurement of value, about purpose in one's work and how that definition changes over time. We talk about some of her upcoming projects and some of her travels since she's won the Pulitzer. And we get into a little bit of politics. We talk about what matters and the meantime, double entendre, a grand conversation with Martina Mayok. We also have an EWSA titled Air, and a radio play written just for this episode by our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, titled Lecture Number 14. And we have a poem called Whitehead. And all of this, of course, as is always the case, will be imbued infused with the energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 316 of Troubadours and Tours. And I'm living it up like young Then I dig me this face of all faces He's the craziest like young He drinks coffee at Cafe Expresso He reads Kerouac like young He goes where all the angry young men go Recites poetry like young we start blowing the pad around 11 And we're homing it like now We spin records on cloud number 7 And he's reaching me like wow I'm all unstrung Cause man he's got me feeling like young If he were to brush me and go I'm starting to wear my I keep getting the kookiest notion I think maybe it's like love I've been feeling a crazy emotion I think baby it's like love Now we're riding a rainbow to Cloudsville And we're making it like young Love, soft as a Thank you. 
air. I am not sure why I do this anymore. Do I write this for you, for me, hoping I will in some way connect with the expanse of humanity listening? Is anyone listening? Am I like the tree in the woods that falls? Am I making any sound? I know I hear the sounds of bullet fire from the outdoor gun range somewhere in the valley, and I despise it. Otherwise, there is quiet morning birdsong and the sound of a hilltop mountain view breeze through the trees. I look out my window and notice our garbage cans at the curb are blown over on their side. It is pickup day in my neighborhood. I should go outside and reposition the cans upward before the squirrels and chipmunks get into the stuff we have thrown away and drag it across the road, crafting a tapestry of what we use, do, and waste over the span of seven days. I am still wondering if my movements and sounds make much of a positive difference. If anyone is watching or listening, my Catholic-infused upbringing certainly has me feeling like I am constantly being judged and watched. It is a sort of depressive, depraved self-absorption. Anyway, what can I say? Be happy as best you can, young woman, old man. Does it make much sense to look, wait for recognition or approval? The air is right there to breathe.
Martina Mayok, is that you? It is. Hello. Hi, it's E.W. Conundrum here, a.k.a. Lawrence. Nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, are you kidding me? You're <laughs> you're a Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> We're going to get into that, I guess, a little bit. But to me, genuinely, it means a lot because at the very, yeah. at the very least, you're so busy. To make the time, <laughs> I really thank you. Oh, thanks. I'm sure, I'm sure I wanted to talk. <laughs> now, let me let everyone know, uh, again, mentioning uh, the Pulitzer Prize, Martina Mayok won the Pulitzer Prize uh, just about a year ago, 2018 yeah. Pulitzer Prize winner for drama for her work titled Cost of Living, a, a wonderful play. And now, I mean, it's being staged all over the place, I'm saying, and... Uh, we're going to talk to Martina about life after the Pulitzer, about uh, measurements of value, of purpose, and who knows where that'll take us. So how are you doing? How's everything? I'm good. I'm tired, like you say, but, but, but good. You know, it's all, it's all like nice tired, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's work to do. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to balance it all, I guess, but, uh, but, but good, but good. <laughs> all is well and healthy, so it's good. How are, are you? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm working. Yeah. I'm working a lot myself. Uh, yeah. But uh, and the winter, you know, I'm, I'm starting. I'm ready for spring. Yeah, thousand percent. Yeah. Are you in? Are you uh, in the United States now? Are you in New York? I'm in New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been a lot of back and forth. Uh, I had a, I, we did cost of living in London a few months ago, so I was there for about a month and um flying to Chicago on Monday and or Sunday and just kind of bouncing bouncing around a lot but primarily New York yeah yeah and i understand uh you had one of your works not cost of living i think iron bound was that staged in poland maybe i it will be the, it's going to premiere on friday actually friday <laughs> yeah yeah great so all the I, folks I listening no idea. <laughs> they can get a ticket and get out there uh, that's right yeah yeah, it must be great seeing your your work uh, being produced all over the world. Yeah, I'm especially nervous about Poland, to be honest. You know, I I, um, uh, I worked on the translation, but uh, I'm just kind of curious how they're gonna receive it. You know, um, uh, it's also interesting, like when you're translating a Polish immigrant character, but it's set in Poland. Like, what is the lens that that the, the the audience members are going to put on it? Are they going to see a Polish immigrant in America, or are they going to see any of the sort of you know recent immigrant immigrants from Ukraine in Poland in the play? Like, I'm just kind of curious how they'll how they'll receive it. And and I also I went out to um, Romania to do translations of my play of Cost of Living into Hungarian and, and Romanian, and like it just kind of made me realize that all playwriting is an act of you're translating something. 
uh, and it's more obvious, obviously, when you're going to a different culture and country, but uh, it's also, you know, you're, we, we do it here with our very specific experiences, and uh, it's, you, you kind of never really know how it's going to get received, and it's, it's always just like a curiosity. Oh, definitely. I mean, even when, when you go back to cost of living, you don't know how people in different parts of the world uh, look at mm-hmm. folks that have physical disabilities or challenges. They might, it might not resonate uh, what, what you're trying to get across there if they have, you know, maybe antiquated as far as, you know, we would look at it, uh, notions mm-hmm. or ideas about people that have um, some physical challenges to face. Yeah, there was an interesting moment when I was in Romania where there was the, the woman who was translating, I think she was the Hungarian translator, um, she she broke down crying because uh, I, I, I described one of the apartments as an accessible apartment. And she started to cry because she said that we don't, we don't have that. Right. <laughs> we don't even we we don't know how to translate that because we don't we don't have that at all in this country, which was in, which was like you know shock and interesting and and in and in London they were more interested in the healthcare system, uh, and you know comparing America's healthcare system with their own and and um, and just so that so that was an interesting thing that I didn't I didn't um, think would be the, the focus there. Yeah, so you you must be, uh, in in some ways, intrigued, stimulated by by the way what you initially intended is being, sort of, uh, as as you said, translated literally into yeah. another culture. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. And now we you know we we were talking about the fact that you know your work and and what you have to offer is now being looked at more closely. Uh, because of the Pulitzer Prize, and more people want to meet you, more people want to do things with you, and all of a sudden now there's a value that your work has, and how we measure that value uh, is something that is is of interest to you. You wanted to talk about it a bit. Yeah, I find it. I, I I kind of just find it fascinating because none of the words have changed. <laughs> the, they're the same words. <laughs> they're the same play. But after April sixteenth, twenty eighteen, you know, it's like a people have a different opinion of the, oh, at least particularly for that play, um, and uh, and I just find that I, I I guess I just find that fascinating. Like, um, and it's also an opinion based. It's an opinion based prize, right? It's for, there's a jury. There's not like a, a rubric for like what is a good play or what is you know. Uh, a play that is worthy of uh, an award or an, or that particular award. I was uh, I was watching the documentary, the Free Solo documentary, mm-hmm. which um, I I loved it, and uh, and I, I like halfway through, I was like, why am I so? Why do I feel so at ease while everyone's freaking out um, for this guy who's about to do this, you know, free solo climbing? And I realized, oh, he has such a clarity. Um, he, you can just see that once he's on the bottom of the mountain. And then when he gets to the top, no one can say, well, I don't know if he didn't really, I don't know if he earned that. You know, no one can say, no one can take that away from him. <laughs> he did it, you know, right. he climbed from the bottom to the top with no ropes. And so, so like that is a guarantee you always have that. Whereas, you know, with art, it's, it's people's opinions and, and who's, uh, who's the gatekeeper and all that sort of stuff. And um, I, I think I thought that, you know, I think, um, I, I guess I'll speak for myself. I think that I've, 
pulled to write like since I knew what it was because I thought that it meant this oh you you're 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 a good writer or you you've made something of value and and that's that's you know not untrue that you've made something that was valued by somebody but uh, I guess I kind of felt this nice relief to know like the all of the anxieties and the things kind of don't go away <laughs> they sort of I'm like there's nothing that's gonna uh the, the like the need to continue to communicate and and get better and and continue to write stories has not gone away and it, it hasn't shut me down which is also which is I'm grateful for but I didn't it, it was sort of like oh this is <laughs> my cat in the background uh you know it isn't like um uh the fact that there's no guarantee kind of that like that that like you've arrived is actually kind of lovely to keep you going there's mm-hmm. a new thing that you want to achieve and something that you know uh, there's there's more there's more to do. Well, we, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and you mentioned uh, you're happy it didn't shut you down. What did you mean by that? I've I've heard that some people who win certain awards or they get to it they get they achieve some kind of marker career wise and it can um, there's there's pressure to deliver again you know in that same way and so some some people i've uh i've heard that that shuts them down they're unable to create because of i don't know i guess a a sensor outside of yourself or um i mean you have to kind of when you're writing you have to access some of the things that are like messy and ugly and and um that might not have like a clear form and i think if you're judging that why you go because you you have the pressure of having to deliver again in that same way then it might never you know the messiness won't ever get to the page for you to then fix it and find a way to to sort of tell your to tell your story ultimately and um i don't know it hasn't it hasn't i've continued it helps that i have had a play in process while i while uh, i had other projects in process so it wasn't sort of starting from scratch but it hasn't it, it it was like a nice wonderful wonderful thing that happened that kind of hasn't really changed all that much actually it hasn't changed things that much. No, no. I mean, and plus, uh, you're so young. You, you know, you, you, you have. I'll take it. But <laughs> well, you are. I mean, you're, you're, you're in your thirties. You're, you're so young. You have so much to, still to figure out. We all do. I mean, I'm, I'm about twenty yeah. years older than you, and I feel I don't know anything, you know. But um, <laughs> it, it is good to hear how. Uh, and it always well, you and I have talked several times before. I think it's our fourth time. Maybe we've talked, mm-hmm. and and um, you you genuinely are trying to understand, you know. And that's that's one of the things <laughs> I I really um, am, I guess, enamored with. And and uh, when I talk with you, and then you go to see the work that comes out of that. It's yeah. It I mean, you you won the Pulitzer because you know regardless of who makes those decisions, and I don't know, and you know they're not the Grammys. I, you know I don't respect the Grammys. I don't respect the uh, the uh, Oscars that much either, based mm-hmm. on on uh, music and films that I I know get excluded. The you know I, I'm so I'm pretty much a novice when it comes to to the Pulitzer, but for some reason it it holds. This esteem mm-hmm. still, it still holds esteem. So, I gather, uh, I gather anybody that wins one is certainly a force to be reckoned with, and and you, Martin and Mayo, certainly are a force, <laughs> uh, and you and you deserve the recognition. But, you know, you're right; it doesn't really guarantee you anything, and it shouldn't. Yeah. It shouldn't, right? I'm, yeah, I guess that that was sort of like a nice relief and surprise. Yeah, that that you. Um, 
Yeah, because it is just arbitrary, you know. If it, you know, also I'm very aware that if this were the year of Hamilton, I would not have a Pulitzer. You know, it's like that is like very clear. Yes. You know, it's like that's like that's undeniable. And and so then you're like, oh God, there's so many. There's, uh, I mean, to put a play up, period, period to like get it to production. There's so many. There, there's so much alchemy that has to go right. That has to do with scheduling. That has to do with like finding, finding the the like best collaborators for that particular story and they happen to be available when the theater happens to have an available slot and and one person happened to see it things like that that are just that you can't um you, you can't like set set things up to in order for things to go like i think about the plays that i'm sure there was one the a, a play that premiered on 9-11 for example like yes that you can't i think <laughs> you're no in town didn't you're in town for that it wasn't your in town forgotten, was yeah, because of nine eleven. I think that was right around nine oh eleven, and that's a great yeah. play. I you know I liked it. Yeah, yeah. There's gotta be, but you're like, man, you can't, you, you can't account for that. Like that's uh, something you just kind of make a thing and you do your best, and then you send it out to the world. And even even getting it to, even getting it to happen is 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 like sometimes a miracle. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but there, I'm sure there's some sort of metaphor for living and like and the uncertainty of our lives and things like that. But, uh, I don't, it, yeah, it was, um, it's been an interesting year, but kind of about soul searching about what it all, what it all means and, um, what, uh, what the purpose of, of writing and making, making theater is, uh, if it's, if you're not like, ah, the goal is to win a Pulitzer, um, uh, what is it then, you know? Well, yeah, what is it? What, what is, why, why? You know, I mean, we've talked about this before, yeah. but I, why, I mean, why do you, why do you keep doing it? What, what are you working on now? I mean, in terms of, you don't have to give us a name of a, of a play, but yeah. what kind of themes, what kind of uh, characters are you, are you, are you kind of dancing with now? I mean, sort of similar. It hasn't really all that, it hasn't changed all that much. Like I'm, I'm um, working on the uh, musical about Chernobyl, um, and then um, uh, a play called Sanctuary City that's going to be going up at New York Theater Workshop next year, this time next year. That's about dreamers, um, you know, sort of the the children that were brought over young and um, overstayed their visas and, and became undocumented. Um, and, and, you know, things that tend to come from personal personal places for me that are also that also are political just because these are the characters lives that's that kind of hasn't changed I, I am interested in something kind of coming my way that's seemingly different than 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 a lot of the, the things I've been doing too I'm just sort of waiting for that that right thing to to sort of come my way and surprise me but it but yeah I've continued to, to work on the same stuff and it, you know it's helpful that I that I was already I had a few like irons in the fire already so I didn't have to feel like I'm going I'm having to like soul search I'm like what am I gonna make what am I gonna make now yeah well, kind of the same. when when you're when you're talking about uh, Chernobyl you know what from what angle are you going at Chernobyl Chernobyl um let's see how could I I guess the how do you continue you know uh like Right now, the way that I organize the sort of the storytelling of it is is that the first act is a lot of the events of uh, you know the the disaster and then people being evacuated and being relocated and their experiences essentially as refugees in a lot of them went to Kiev uh, and and um, the second half is somebody who decides to go back 
and the the risk that that causes you know when 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 somebody's uh, somebody that you love that is in that is in your life chooses to live their lives in a way that you don't agree with but you still they're still your family they're still your person and I guess that's sort of the, uh, so how do you, you know, I guess, how do you continue? How do you start a new life? I guess I think that is, I, I've been thinking about that sort of thing a lot to sort of, how do you, um, the continuing and, be, and, and, and these, these parts of your life that cause you to have to change that you weren't expecting to come your way. Um, and, and like perseverance and, and the new person that you become, or do you become a new person? I swear it's funny. You said that about cost of living curious, too. But... There's always humor. Well, cause if you don't, yeah. you know, I, I, where was I, yeah. I was watching a, a documentary myself recently and it was a neuroscientist, I believe, uh, or a psychologist uh-huh. that said, one of the reasons we laugh is because if we didn't, we'd go mad. Yeah, it was a release of tension, right? Yeah, like that's the that Hannah Gatsby. Um, did you watch that? Did you see that, the Nanette? No, no. Oh, it's great. It, but she talks about she talks about you know comedy and and you have to build up a tension and then it's, there's the the laugh is a release of tension, and and it's it's interesting. It's an interesting sort of thing. I, I highly recommend <laughs> laughing or or the documentary or yeah. both. Yeah, yeah, then that. Oh, yeah, both <laughs> recommended. Yeah, yeah, um, and and then you mentioned also that you're, you know, you're you're working on certain projects. You're working working on similar themes that that seem to be that you seem to be drawn to. But you're you're also open and and kind of waiting for something to come around that you you, you have you're you're not anticipating at the moment, or you haven't been you know haven't done yet. Are you talking about from the outside or from the inside? I guess from the outside, in order to do something for the inside, I think there's um, sometimes uh, even just an image or something that that sparks imagination. I guess you know, instead of the story that you might have lived or the story that you you sort of know, you know, you've done a lot of research about it or or whatever the thing is, like something that feels like it's a new. It's like it's new territory. I, when when I was in grad school, um, Paula Vogel was our was our um, the head of our program, wow. and she always had these. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the, the Bake Off. It was basically like it's kind of like based on you know the baking shows, mm-hmm. where a group of people were given um, the same prompt, um, same like what she called ingredients. So that you know they give you give you a theme, something that was that the play was supposed to be about, and some ingredients that had to do kind of with what is typically associated with that theme. Uh, and and then you had 48 hours to go make a play. And no matter what, you know, you, 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 one group of people read the same stuff, they watch the same things, they, they, they have the same ingredients or whatever to work from, and they, everyone comes in with something completely different. And so, you know, my, my version of, of a story about, you know, democracy, for example, will be different from your version. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious for what that thing will be that's going to trigger something I didn't I wasn't expecting in myself and and um I'll still be writing it from my perspective I'm just curious to kind of have something knock knock me off kilter in a good way. Okay. It's which is hard to look for. Well, <laughs> yeah. Because as soon as you're like, I'm looking, I'm looking, then the universe is like, we're not sending you anything. You have to like, right? You can't look. <laughs> no, no. I mean, in a way, it's it's 
it has to come that in that manner you, you know uh you, yeah. it just it, it all of a sudden it dawns on you or it's a it's sort of yeah. like an epiphany or, or everything aligns and then i guess that's when you get that that feeling like you almost can hear the choir and, and the and the light sh- shines you know <laughs> yeah does that ever happen to you in terms of like wow this right here this is the idea. Oh, yeah. And then usually five minutes, you're like, this is, you know, this is stupid. You've already imagined, like, the Broadway premiere and within five minutes. And then, like, you look at it again, you're like, oh, that was dumb. Yeah. You know? I think yeah. that happens like, pretty often, actually. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of brilliant. Or you're like, I have a, you, you know, you have a thought in the middle of the night and you're like, with the morning, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Like, this is so stupid. Or, like, that was that movie that you saw. Remember that movie that you saw? <laughs> like, that's the whole plot of it. Yeah. You just mimicked it. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually what you were what you were saying about like um, uh, of like waiting for the thing is that that is the thing I I have found very difficult in this period is like is like is the the chance to fill the well, you know I think there's uh, um taking on as many jobs and things like that it's like you have to produce and produce and here's the thing that this person is expecting, whereas like sometimes the thing that you need to do is absolutely nothing, which is really hard to, you know like you when you're when you're when you're meant to be productive. And doing nothing and, and, and or reading or something like that, experiencing something new is part of the process, but there's not there's not a way to kind of um, make that a tangible part of writing, I guess. And, and uh, but it's a very important part, and I'm finding it hard to do that when when I'm always in the in produce produce mode, you know. Yeah, well, you just sound like a Buddhist, you know. I, so, <laughs> seriously, sometimes you yeah. you should do absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. uh, and. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Are you finding, are you finding it hard? Um, I mean, I might be one of those people, to be honest. And all of a sudden, everybody, although, you know, we talked before a long time ago, but are you finding so many people just trying to grab hold of you and trying to sap energy out of you, trying to, you know, align themselves with you since some of the, you know, um, the the positive attention you've gotten? I, I, I forget where I had heard this, but somebody said that um, at a certain point in a, in a, I guess, an artist's career, their success relies on saying no, and at another point in their career, their success relies on uh, sorry, the relies on saying yes, and the second part is that their success relies on saying no. That that you have to be you you have to be open to all the things when you're first starting out, and to do as much as you possibly can, and then at a certain point, a lot comes your way, and and whether you you use your time well it depended on whether you said no to the right things and yes to the right things um and uh and, and you know things have things are coming my way and who can who can tell that whether they're from the pulitzer specifically or you know uh, any other uh, my for, for example like my my backstory my where i come from especially for television and, and film you know sometimes there'll there'll be a property a book or a movie or something like that that has to do that's similar to my background that 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 often gets sent my way and i'm, and I'm sure i'm not the only playwright for whom that that's that's the case um and they want you and, to, and, they want you to adapt it yeah, or work on a TV series or something like that that has to do something that that with your biography. Like they understand that like ability is a given at a certain point. Like uh, um, th- this person can write. They understand this person can write. But there is something in your backstory that might that might be um, 
that might make you more personally like equipped to sort of tell a certain story. Uh, and so, you know, things like that come my way. Um, and, and they've been, they've, they've come my way before the, before the Pulitzer and, you know, who can tell whether it's because of the Pulitzer or not, but, um, you know, sometimes you just kind of, I, I'm still kind of figuring out whether, whether it's how, what is the marker for how to say yes to the right things and no to the, no, you know, no to the things that will, you just will not do a good job. I'm so tempted to say yes to everything because I'm still in sort of feast or famine mode. You know, I have this like, uh, like every time, every time I say no to a project, I feel like the universe will then like send cancer my way because like, how dare me with the hubris to, you know, who do I think I am to say no to a job? Like, well, here, you know, here's something to like make you suffer and realize that you should have taken that money or taken that job, you know? Um, it's like a super morbid way, but it's still, you know, it's still like it operates as like, I can do, I can do it. I can make more time exist in the day than there, than there is. And, and, you know, I think you've gotten in trouble for that sort of stuff of like thinking I could do it and then realizing it just takes longer to do good work, you know, sometimes. Well, yeah, it makes total sense. And I'm wondering, do you have some good counsel? Do you have people that you can, you talk with and, and, and help you, you know, figure that out, what the right path is, what, what uh, the right projects are, and how to keep yourself healthy and, and centered and all? I mean, my, my agents and managers help me kind of figure out what the projects are that, you know, we, we're able to talk about things that come my way and whether they would fit with time, timing and, and if I'm super passionate about it so they're a good sort of sounding board but otherwise you know i talk to my husband and my mom <laughs> sometimes it's not it's not great to talk to my mom because she likes so many things on tv she's like do it do it I'm like, i can't she's like really you can't <laughs> like yeah, no, i can't do it literally conflicting with something i'm already doing she's like but you couldn't change that so you know <laughs> use sounding boards but ultimately you know up to you and whether which is awful it's horrible i'll it be up to you <laughs> to decide because then you have nobody to blame but yourself. If it goes wrong, it's horrible. True. I mean, though, I mean, <laughs> you're you're fortunate enough to have a partner, so that's got to be, you know, I, I have a great partner as well, and, and I, sometimes you need to, at least a sounding board. You don't even want to hear their answer. You just want to be able to yeah, talk. Yeah, totally. Just listen. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you figure yeah. it out while you're talking to them. Um, yeah. And and right now, I mean, we only have a few minutes left here with Martina Mayok on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright and uh, really a, a great person. Uh, truly, it's it's always a joy talking with you. You have a great energy. Um, no, thanks. Oh no, thank you. No. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering what what is what right now is is really uh, on your mind regarding this this country we share, this planet we share. I mean, it's sort of a mess. It's kind of been been that way for a while. I, like, I I don't even know that I have anything that is like that that is at all new to add to the conversation of just kind of being surprised at how much um, safety and security money can buy you. <laughs> uh, is really kind of I think the thing that consistently fascinates me. Like. I think this guy could like murder somebody on live television and it would matter. <laughs> it just kind of wouldn't matter. It would keep on rolling on, but it's, you know, I, it, it, I, I look at what's happening in Poland too. And, um, it, you know, we had the mayor of the Dynast like uh, stabbed to death, like, you know, not too long ago and, you know, nationalism trending and, all, and, and, and all of it. Like I, 
I, I don't quite know what to do. Uh, and, you know, moments like this make you feel like, what the hell am I doing as a playwright? There must be something that's more that's more useful to the world. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just sort of like... Uh, it's like it's like when you've gone grocery shopping and you have like a full bo- bunch of bags and it's raining and they all kind of and then all the bags like open fall over the street and all you can do is just kind of look at the, look at everything on the ground the ground and just like laugh or cry. It's like sort of like <laughs> how I feel to stay at the country at the moment to give you like a very specific New York image. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> do you even try to pick the stuff up or just walk away? You know? I mean, do you like just to walk away like the oranges are soaked or in the gutter? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> do it support it? I don't know. I, I think I, I was having this conversation with with, with the director of of um, like, what do you do, what do you do when when you feel like you think your, your country is going one way? And I'm at, you know, my my for my family, we left. Like, we left. We left, but we there was a there was a very specific place to go that felt like it had a better option, and you know for us it's like okay I guess we can go to England, but they they're having their own like this is a this is a sort of global this is a global trend that is happening of like you know wanting to have a homogenous homogenous countries and borders and um you know human rights. Uh, concerns being at a being at a very very low um, priority, and so uh, you know at a certain point you're like, okay, well I guess there's nowhere else to go, so we had to fix some shit for ourselves right now. Yeah, you know we have to we have to we have to fix it. We we have to, and hopefully it, it passes. Hopefully it's an aberration. Uh, here at least. And I wonder what do you do when it's but you know the the pat like do you do, you, do what is that? What it actually does doesn't cause change. I mean, uh, you know, I'm thinking about just climate stuff itself. You know, like when the statistics are like devastating, where you're like, we've killed like 80 percent of this planet. So what do you like? What do you? Do? It's like stuff that is just like inconceivable to think about. You're just what is that? It, it seems like to, to basically contemplating an apocalypse uh, and. And there might not be all that much that you can do. And so actually, what do you do? Thinking about that and like how you live your life. I mean, it's not it's not dissimilar from sort of this year of figuring out like what matters um, and and um, and how you spend your t- finite time on this earth and, and, and what value systems you subscribe to is like is, some, is you know, bound up with also with also like what's going on politically, globally, you know, environmentally, everything like that. Um, the only the only like wisdom that I've is is like to 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 love people that are in your lives like that's the only thing that I'm like yeah this is a, that is a good plan like make sure that you are good to good to people um, love love your people well you know and but that's that's not gonna I don't know that's the only like certainty that I'm like I should love better you know yeah I think that makes sense I think that makes sense I think it's a good place to to uh sort of pause and uh and and say until next time martin and Mayuk. Mm-hmm. i really yeah that sounds great <laughs> hopefully I, things will get, have gotten better i hope so i hope so and it's it's really um it's fun watching uh where you're going with with your work and uh again it's 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 really uh wonderful that you take the time out to talk with us here on troubadours and rock and tours thank you so much oh, thank you thank you very much Take care and uh, and um, you as well. Yeah, we'll we'll do. Maybe uh, we'll see you out in the theater district one of these days. 
I would love that, yeah. In the meantime, we'll have fingers crossed for a better world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, take care. In the meantime. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.
Lecture number 14, a radio play. Welcome back. I trust you're doing well and improving yourself every day, and I hope, with some degree of immodesty, that these lectures are at least one source of your daily improvement. Every day you're getting better, aren't you? You're becoming more of yourself. You're growing into yourself, as my poor mother used to say about our Uncle Ted. When Uncle Ted gained a pound or two, Mother would say, with a sly smile, Ted's a growing boy, although he was well into a sad, lonely middle age. Poor Uncle Ted would flush red and put down that second biscuit he had slathered in butter. Mother, as always, was just trying to help, perhaps fruitlessly trying to prevent the massive heart attack that killed him. And really, what more can you ask of a mother? In previous lectures we discussed your appearance, your mottled face, and your shabby clothes. Why were you so depressed? Because you looked like a depressed person. Your bloodshot eyes, your rumpled hair, your stained sweatshirt, your frayed trousers. What did they say about you? They said that you don't care anymore. And you must care. My Aunt Nettie had a saying, straighten up and fly right. My aunt was a stickler for appearances and would become livid if Uncle Freddy's tie had a spot on it or if his shirt tail peeked over his belt. Why do you hate me so, Freddy? She would howl and we would all gather to comfort her and scold Freddy. Nettie was right. Freddy was a slob and he had to be saved from himself. Nettie cared as my mother cared, as I care. Now, I assume you're attending to your appearance, that you're watching your weight. Put down that cookie, mother would cry at poor Uncle Ted, and cleaning out your sock drawer. Throw out those unraveling devils, no matter how cute they are, or who gave them to you. They're damaged, and they must go. We would often hear Nettie bellow from her attic room to no one in particular, You're a sloppy, sloppy man, aren't you? If you answer in the affirmative to Nettie's cry, please refer to my previous lectures. Keep at it. Keep it you. Now that you're working on your outer being, the face and body you show to the world, it's time to straighten up the mess that's inside as Henry Higgins sings in the greatest of golden age musicals, My Fair Lady. And how do we do that? We have to empty your mind. Oh, I can hear you saying, empty my mind, but my mind is me, isn't it? No, it isn't. Your mind is filled with clutter, and you will find your true self once you clear out all that junk. Empty your mind and you will see yourself, clear, clean, clutter-free, a freshly painted, white-walled room without the garbage that you've been accumulating for years. Your mind is one of those hoarder's houses that ends up on the local news. It's filled with expired cans of Campbell's soup, and collapsed cardboard boxes, and emaciated dogs, and flea-bitten cats, and birds decomposing at the bottom of their filthy cages, 
and piles of National Geographics, and old junk mail whose lying promises you briefly believed in. And feces. Yes, feces. You must serve as your own hazmat crew. Put on your rubber boots and your face mask and your gloves and clear out that abomination. I am, of course, speaking metaphorically. Hoarders are horrifying figures. My Uncle Ned was a hoarder, and my family took action, shuttered his hovel, and put him away. For his own good. And for your own good, clear out your mind. Time to attack your attic, your garage, your kitchen, your spare bedroom, your closets. Oh, those closets. Every nook and cranny of your mental space. What's that, you ask? No, not your basement. Your basement is the subject of another lecture. Bag up your regrets, your missed opportunities, your anger, your self-loathing, your fear, your anxiety, all your bad thoughts, all the dumb things you said and did and groan over nightly in your sweaty, twisted sheets. Your parents, your siblings, your teachers, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, your acquaintances, your lovers, that man on the bus, that woman at the deli, that poodle at the park. They're all there, aren't they? Toss them out. Put them to the curb. Look around. Are you empty? Perhaps there's a cobweb of a doubt in the corner of the den. Knock it down with a broom. Is that a bit of regret in the pantry? Wrap it up. Expunge it. Good. Wait. Wait. What's that up in the attic? clinging to the stained wall. It's your shame. How did you miss that? You know how you miss that. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Jam it into the old shoebox you've kept for some reason. For this reason. Seal the shoebox with packing tape. Open up the attic window and throw out your shame. There. Do you feel better? Do you feel empty? Good. Are you ready for lecture number 15? Yes, I know you are. Good. Till next time.
Whitehead. I have blackheads on my whitehead. He is a whitehead with a blackhead. The Underground Railroad is not about trains. Cora, Caesar, and Moses are fictional characters who are true representatives of this U.S. history. Who is to blame? What is in a name? It is not enough to feel shame as you continue to play this unjust, illicit societal game. Lame, pain, more of the same. Claim the way to salvation.
there you have it, episode 316 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with the W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, New York City playwright Martina Mayok. I also like to thank our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, and these musical artists Linda Lawson, Death Cab for Cutie, Beck, The Talking Heads, Arrested Development, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Brentford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. It's so nice to have you listening. Take care, and until next week, let's try to enjoy this one. <laughs>